Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. Yes, it is I. A fun one this week. Aaron Oberholzer, who joined the Clubhouse, a former PGA Tour winner turned broadcaster. We chatted about a lot of stuff. We talked about Jordan Speed's quiet offseason, Anthony Kim, and how uh, the internet sensation's career has mirrored that of Aaron Oberholzer's. Uh, what is more likely, two more green jackets for Jordan Spieth over the course of his career, or one more for 46-year-old Phil Mickelson. It was a fun conversation. Aaron always has a lot to say about golf and that around it. First things first, this week's episode is brought to you by Swing Juice. And guys, I've got good news for you. Swing Juice now has koozies. Your favorite t-shirt ideas are now emblazoned on koozies, and they're only 4 bucks, $4. The t-shirts are great. Now the winter months are upon us, and you don't want those hands to get cold. It's very important to keep your hands warm when you're playing golf, and Swing Juice has you covered. You can get a koozie with golf and hip-hop on it, and again, it's $4. That's the price of a draft beer at your local club as you finish up your round. Toss in your golf bag, have it on the ready. Use the offer code BACON at checkout. You'll save 20% at swingjuice.com. Go check it out right now. And as you are listening to this podcast, I am headed to Las Vegas, Nevada for the Tour Top Golf Finals. Yes, Top Golf Tour uh, is in its first year, and we are getting close to the end. The finals are this weekend in Las Vegas. There's going to be some great players. I think the thing that surprised me the most about the Top Golf Tour is how many guys that do this for a living are involved in it. They saw this opportunity. They saw a chance to go out there and earn some serious dough. 50 grand for the winning team will be handed out on Sunday at the Top Golf in Las Vegas. And they went, hey, let's take a chance. Well, we were out at the Scottsdale Top Golf Tour regional, cha- regional Championship trying to advance to Vegas. And these guys were unbelievable at how they were peppering the target. I was actually out at the Top Golf over the week in Scottsdale. Every time I go to Top Golf, I want to go back. It's like bowling. It really is. Every time I go bowling, I think to myself, why don't we bowl more? And I say very similar stuff when I go to Top Golf. But enough of me, a long and lengthy conversation with Aaron Oberholzer. This is a guy that won on the PGA Tour, was very competitive. If you look at his run in the early 2000s, he was finishing in the top 15, top 20, top 10 in major championships, uh, had a chance to win a couple of other events, lost in a playoff, and of course injuries sidelined him and eventually had him hang him up. But he's a great conversationalist, a great dude. I love getting a chance to talk talk with him, play some golf with him. So up next, Aaron Oberholzer here on the Clubhouse. And we now welcome into the Clubhouse a man of many talents, former PGA Tour champion turned broadcaster who could be seen really all over the place, Golf Channel, PGA Tour Live, and much more. Uh, Aaron Oberholzer is here, and I actually got the name right. I think I nailed it that time. You did well, my man. You did well. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited. It's the first time I've done this with you. It is the first time. I will say for people that didn't catch our first experience on PGA Tour Live, and I think it was my first (laughs) PGA Tour Live event uh, that I did, I had to introduce you. You were on the course, and I absolutely botched your last name, and you gave me a great line. You said, my last name is like talking with marbles in your mouth, and it at least broke a little bit of the tension after I completely hacked your name maybe 12 seconds into the broadcast. 
Ryan Bird does the exact same thing, and he has to spell it out phonetically on the prompter <laughs> at the Golf Channel sometimes. He's got it down now, but for the first four or five months that he and I worked together, he had a, he had a tough time saying it too. And it's you know it's just it's a difficult last name to say. It's not a lot of uh, there's a lot going on. There's for, that's for sure. For sure. Well, I, I ask everybody that comes on, and it's early. It's it's seven o'clock in Arizona. You've got to make a flight here in a little bit. But I ask everybody that comes on. First question is. What have you had to eat today? I know you're an early riser, so I'm assuming you've had something. So I'll ask you, what have you had to eat today? I haven't had anything, actually, not a thing. Um, I, I kind of, for me, sleeping in is till six thirty, and I was able to stay in bed till six thirty. Um, the boys got up a little earlier, but they went and read some books and left us alone as much as possible because uh, we needed some sleep. As we, as my wife was up late packing last night for the trip to, that we're taking. Uh, up to San Francisco today. So um, uh, I haven't had a thing yet. But when I do get uh, off of this and I do go into the kitchen and grab something, it'll probably be some sort of egg dish. Egg dish. And of course, you can also. Some sort of egg dish. Yeah. (laughs) Eggs with something. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of protein in the morning. Well, you're, you've, this is the off season of golf, but you've been jet setting. You've been all over the place. Is this the busier time of your year? Or is it just more you have to go to more exotic places? Well, it's more I have to go to more exotic places. Um, uh, you know, the busiest time of year for me is probably from the Masters through the playoffs, uh, like it is for everybody else. As soon as major season hits for broadcasters, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a pretty uh, daunting run uh, for for some of us. Um, I don't think Brandel's any different. I don't think Frank, I know Frank Nabilo is any different. He works uh, as hard, if not harder than anybody at golf channel. Cause he's got the CBS gig as well. So, uh, or some, some, he does some CBS shows. Um, so, uh, a lot of us are working, uh, our, our, our big kind of, uh, season is from, uh, the masters all the way through the playoffs, uh, the PGA tour playoffs or the FedEx cup playoffs. So, um, for me, uh, I try to space it out. I don't do as many days as those guys do just because I've got two young boys and I just don't want to do that many days. Uh, cause I'm, I'm, I don't want to be away from them so much. So for me, I try to space it out as much as possible. But when I look at my schedule going into next year, I'm like, man, look at that again from March <laughs> through or from April through, uh, September, I'm just stacked. So, um, uh, that's just the way it goes. And really hard. I'm really stacked in April, May, and June. Um, I've got a run of something like uh, seven or eight out of 10 weeks or eight out of 10 weeks or something like that, that I'm doing either on the golf course for golf channel or in studio for golf channel or a live from for golf channel. Uh, so it's, it's a very busy that it's almost like it, it, it almost seems honestly, when they, when I get to go to Asia, that that's a partial vacation. <laughs> honestly, I, I miss my family dearly, obviously, but, but to get to go over there, first of all, I love going to Asia. Um, but to get to go over there, it almost feels like, oh, okay, I'm not running around. I can actually do, I, I can do two weeks in a row of on course work and I can get into a rhythm. Sometimes it's tough as a broadcaster when you do two different things like I do and you're jumping from on course to in studio, on course to in studio, because they're two very different disciplines and, um, uh, it, it's, it, you have to, they're, they're, and they have different, very different requirements. 
Well, you know, you're talking about being busy and not being busy. I wanted to transition into some of the players, some of the bigger names. I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's an interesting point right now in the wraparound season because there's golf on, but there's not a lot of golf to talk about. And I, and I know that doesn't really make a ton of sense, but a lot of the big players are taking time off. Jordan Spieth uh, is the first person I want to talk about, a guy we really haven't discussed much the last two or three months, even at the Ryder Cup. I would say he was the yeah. 8th or ninth or 10th storyline, really. I mean, behind the shadow that was Patrick Reed. This is a guy that has decided this year, uh, after two wins and people saying, what happened to Jordan Spieth, which was crazy, uh, he's decided to cool it off this offseason. He's only playing the Australian Open uh, in the World Challenge. And then, of course, last year, this guy was playing in everything. He was going to every event all up into January. Uh, do you see this being an enormous benefit for Jordan Spieth headed into 2017, considering that, you know, say it let down or not, uh, the season probably wasn't exactly what he wanted in 16? Uh, yes. I think it was a good experiment for Jordan, for Jordan to do this at a young age to figure out what he can and can't take. All of us have breaking points. For Vijay Singh in his early 40s to mid-40s, the guy could play 27, 28 events, and he could play well, and he reached number one in the world doing that. Um, uh, just the other week, I was in China, and I had a great discussion with Patrick Reed, and Patrick's tired. Um, he's flat out exhausted because he's play, he plays 30-some-odd, 30 30-plus 30 events a year. Even at his age, even at his young age, he's tiring himself out. So it's, it's, it, and, he needs, and he needs to rest. He said, he said the, the Ryder Cup spoke me. You know, it just it took a lot out of me. And it, of course, it did. look at the look at the emotional and physical energy that he put forth to help win that cup. Um, uh, he uh, he the man deserves a break. There's no doubt. And he needs to take one uh, for his body. Um, and Jordan Spieth is figuring that out, too. Where is his breaking point? All of us have breaking points where we go, man, I can't do it anymore. I, I've got to I've got to chill. This is where this is my set number of events. This is how I'm going to do it. Um, and that's where I'm going to go. Tiger learned it early. Uh, Tiger was prepared to play and prepared to win every event that he showed up to because he was fresh. Um, and he had, he had so many other things going on outside as far as commitments go um, outside that uh, I can't even fathom what he had to do during his off week. His off weeks probably weren't that much of an off week because either he was practicing or he was flying somewhere to do something for a sponsor or for an endorser um, or for someone who endorsed him. So uh, it was, uh, or he endorses, excuse me. So it was um, uh, for Jordan. Um, it's good to find that kind of uh, ground with the schedule where you're, where you're not tying yourself out, but you're sharp. Uh, you're not tying yourself out. You're not, you're not uh, unsharp with your game. But that nice kind of fine line where you, that you ride, where you're sharp for you're sharp for every event that you possibly can play in, um, and that's where Tiger was, and that's why I think where Tiger was successful for a lot is that he didn't overschedule himself, and I think Jordan's learned that. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that played 27 events, Jordan Spieth, in 2014. He played 21 PGA Tour events in 2016. Do you see these top players, the Rorys, the Jason Days, the Jordan Spieths? scaling this thing back even more? Could you see them in maybe three, four, five years playing in 16 events or 18 events? Well, probably not that. I, I might see 18 to 20. Um, heck, I only played in 22. Now, you got to look at it this way too, Shane. These guys make a lot of cuts, so they're playing a lot of golf. So in, in that regard, and they're contending. So when you make a lot of cuts, not only are you putting a lot of physical stress on your body, 
but these guys are top players in the world, so they're contending a lot, so they're putting a lot of mental stress on their body. So because they're constantly in the battle to win a golf tournament, and you're, everything ratchets up. If you're just fighting to make the cut, that's one thing. You make the cut, you go on to the weekend, well, it's kind of like you go out there and you're playing a Saturday Nassau with your buddies if you just made the cut by one or two. It doesn't, it, it, you, you know, oh, let's see what we can do today. And you play with no pressure, and you go out there, and half the time the guys will shoot 64 or 65 and get themselves into contention going into Sunday, and then the pressure ratchets up you know, tenfold from what you played on Saturday, and the guys really feel it then. But when you're not contending on the weekends and you're constantly in that 40th to 45th place, I'm not saying that there's not pressure and that you don't feel it because later in the year, if you've constantly done that, you're probably lower on the, on the points list and you need to get some points so you're feeling the pressure that way. But these guys, they don't, they don't, they don't give themselves um, – they give themselves a lot of chances to win, which takes it out of you week in and week out. So, I, I, and, you know, I didn't give myself a ton of chances to win, but I made a lot of cuts when I played, especially in 04, 5, 6, 7. I made a lot. I didn't miss a ton of cuts. So I played a lot of golf on the weekends, and I can tell you what that does to your body. It, it wears you out, and I only played between – 22 and 24 events when I played. So I think it's, I think it's smart for these guys. If you play a lot of golf, if you know, you're going to make a lot of cuts, if you know, you're going to contend a lot that to really make sure that you, you conserve your energy and conserve yourself um, for throughout the year. And that's what I think. That's a smart thing that I think these guys could do it. And I'd love to see Patrick Reed do more of it. I know the guy loves to play, but I would love to see Patrick do more of it because I think it would help him out a lot in the long run. And especially with these season-ending events, it seems like they're all jam-packed, especially this year, of course, with the Olympics. You've got so many events that are important jam-packed at the end of your season. You've got to be sharp for weeks on weeks on weeks. So it seems like at least allowing yourself early in that season to take some time away would be an important move. And I I, I like what Jordan Speed's doing right now because there's no reason to go out there and beat yourself up in November, December, January when you know that the events that you really want to win – start right around April. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, these guys know that they've got the firepower to do it when they need to do it. They just need to keep themselves sharp and keep themselves upright and not get worn out. So you have to create with this schedule because there's year round golf now, which is good and bad. Um, Good for us in the media because we got something to talk about constantly. Right. Bad for as a player because, well, you got to figure out when your off season is because everybody needs an off season. Is it a, is it do you do you not play well on the West Coast traditionally? Do you take January and February off and we'll see in on in the Florida swing? Do you take October and and and, and November off and or November December off? Everybody needs a couple of months to just to kind of just decompress and regroup, go see your trainer, get your body right, and recoup for the next for whenever their next season is going to start. Uh, I think it's important for any athlete, every athletic endeavor, and people who don't think golf is athletic, I want to slap them. It's extremely <laughs> athletic, and it, it beats your body up so bad at the professional level. Um, those guys need an offseason too, just like, just like baseball, just like football, just like basketball, just like hockey. Just like the other major sports, everybody needs an offseason for their body to recover. Um, so it's just up to the golfer to decide when, when he needs his breaks. When he, you know, and that's the nice thing because it's not a forced offseason. It's not like 
you know, well, I got to go play the West Coast. So it's kind of you can make it work to your advantage. If you're traditionally not a good player in Florida, like me, I would say, I'll see you in April. I'm out of here in I'm done in March. I'm not picking up a club in March, you know, and I'll, and I'll pick up a club at the beginning of April uh, and play the Houston Open, start at the Houston Open. So um, uh, if I was still playing, that's what I would do. I don't traditionally play well in Florida. So I'd play all the West Coast, take Florida off, and then maybe take another month off somewhere in, uh, in the season, maybe take uh, November off or something like that. Um, but it's hard because when you have these free money events and now you're going to have three next year in CIMB, Malaysia, Korea, that's been added, and, and HSBC, those are all going to be 78-player fields with free money and free FedEx Cup points. That, those are hard to pass up. So when those are hard to pass up, now you've got a now you've got a quandary that you've got a, that you've cre- that's been created where you have to figure out all right well that was normally my off season but now I I can't I can't pass up three points in FedEx Cup because I can get a, a head start so it's the PGA Tour is doing a good job of making it hard for players to 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 want to take time off um, because there's just too many carrots on the edge of that on the edge of that pole. Well, the end of the year was owned by somebody that didn't have a, a great season for the most part, Rory McIlroy. You know, the, we saw a, a great play in at the Irish Open, but really not the season Rory wanted. And then all of a sudden, he switched gears. Do we put a little too much stock on guys that end seasons, especially as we talk about this wraparound season, that end PGA Tour seasons? Do we put a little too much stock in these guys? carrying it over into the next PGA Tour season, given the gap that we have in time? Because Jason Day wins the PGA Championship, has a great end of his season last year, and, you know, he played great early, but, you know, the success didn't carry over maybe into, like, the majors and such. And then the year before, Rory goes back-to-back in the majors and then, you know, doesn't hasn't won another one since. And I feel like sometimes we look at what they did at the FedEx Cup and what they did at the PGA Championship, we almost expect that to continue when, you know, you've got to play well for four, five, six months just to get into the next season. Yeah, I think I think that this game and will will and forever forever is and will forever be a game of ebbs and flows. Period. Um, and you're going to find players that are going to ride hot streaks, and those hot streaks can last depending on the, the depending on the player. Those hot streaks could last for months, like we saw Jordan Spieth with in 2015. We had an epic year that literally lasted the entire year, uh, where that he was in a flow, uh, and that was, you know, that proved to be at this point a career year. He might duplicate it um, in the future, um, but we also see guys have ebbs and flows with their games and what they're working on, and so on and so forth. And so, guys, you're always in a state of flux as a professional. You're always trying to find the next magic bullet to make your game that much better. And when you do that, you also risk putting, giving, putting yourself into a little bit of a lull. And I'm not saying a slump, a lull. Like right now, you can almost argue that Billy Horschel, after winning the FedEx Cup in 14, he's in a little bit of a slump. But I would still call it mostly a lull. The guy hasn't fallen off the map completely. Okay, he's still there, even though some people would argue he hasn't won. That's falling off the map. I disagree. Um, I, I just think that I just think that that you're always going to have that with this game. And uh, again, that's why Tiger was so special. He never had lulls. A lull to him was a top five. 
We don't see that with guys these days. We see more normalcy with guys in their games. A lull for a guy is, well, he missed a cut and maybe he finished T20 to T40 a few weeks in a row for the best players in the world. Or, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, comes up and wins a tournament and then gets on a run for a month. I think that's what you're going to see. It's really hard to maintain that, that, that consistency. Ask anybody who's been at the top of the game. Ask Jason Day. He knows what it's like. Ask Dustin Johnson. Ask Jordan Spieth. It's very hard to maintain that type of consistency over a long period of time. Um, and I do believe that, that to kind of get off into a little tangent, but I do believe that Tiger made it difficult for everybody else, as he has in so many things, because he set the bar so high. And these guys, you can't expect anybody to maintain that kind of, um, of excellence over that type of period anymore. I don't believe so. I think that those days are gone. But that leads to more parity, and I like parity on the PJ Tour. I enjoy parity. I love seeing a bunch of great players rather than one massively dominant player. Whereas some people would rather see one massively dominant player come in every week and just roll rough shot over people. But I'd rather see a bunch of really good young players, which is what we have now. And I'm really excited about the PGA tour season and the PGA tour season to come and future seasons to come. Well, and that goes into the next question I had, you know, we saw a kind of a, a weird major season this last year, you know, with, uh, some of the names we expected to play well and to contend and to win. And we have all these new champions, you know. And, you know, while Dustin Johnson was not a surprise to some, Danny Willett was, Jimmy Walker might have been to some people. For sure. Uh, are there a couple names, a couple names that come to mind? Considering, you mentioned it, the talent pool is so deep on tour right now, and there's so many it young, is. talented players. Are there a couple names that come to mind that you see, not prediction-wise, but just you think could have a breakout season over the next... 18 months, win that major, win two or three times on tour. Are there a couple you think rise above the rest? Uh, you know, well, you listen, I've, I've been, a, I've been, a, I've been high on Brooks Kepka for the last couple of years since he was playing on the European tour. Actually. Um, I think the guy's game is incredible. I think he hits a golf ball that most guys can't hit as far as the sound it makes, the trajectory it launches at the power he has, um, the talent level in that man is every bit as, as much as, in my opinion, as Dustin Johnson. He's just got to put it all together. And that's the hardest thing is finding, finding the weaknesses, curing the weaknesses like Dustin Johnson did with the wedge play, and look what Dustin did. Um, Brooks has got to do the same thing. I do believe Brooks has a two, three, four win season in him. There's no doubt, in my opinion, he does. Um, with his power, with his precision, uh, his game, putting stroke is beautiful. Um, that he can win a major, that he can win multiple times on the PGA Tour. Uh, that's the guy that stands out in my mind. Patrick Reed is another guy that he's an interesting, uh, not that he hasn't had breakout seasons, but, but his consistency continually gets better and better each year. And I do believe Patrick Reed has the game to win a major or two. There's no doubt. And I'm waiting for Patrick Reed to really put the ball striking together consistently as it's been creeping up consistency-wise, getting better and better and better. So he doesn't have to rely so much on his pitching and putting, which is stellar, to say the least. Um, when that part of his game becomes more and more consistent, as it keeps growing more consistently, I think he's going to have multiple win seasons and contend in more major championships. But it's got, he's got to get that driver uh, a little bit more consistent, especially at the major championships, because that driver is the one thing that kind of 
lets him down. The, the two things you have to do well at a major championship, at most major championships, you got to put the ball in play off the tee and you got to putt well. He does one of those things extremely well, one of the best in the world at in putting and chipping, but he's got to get the other part of it down. Um, and when he does that, he's going to contend. So those two guys I look out, I look for breakout seasons as far as major championships are concerned. Um, young guys that I like, you know, I'm kind of, I was just doing some reading on this Grayson Murray coming off the web tour. I think Grayson, now not that he's going to contend for a major or have a multiple win season on the PGA tour, but those types of guys, these, these powerful young kids coming off the, the web tour, he's one guy that I, 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 I'm really going to watch for closely this year, kind of like I did when Finau came out. I want to see what, 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 what a guy like that does on the PGA tour. He had a, he had a very talent. He was a very talented young junior and he's won pretty much at every level up through the ranks. Um, and so now he's on the PGA Tour, so I look forward to seeing what that young man can do as well as far as a breakout season. Maybe he gets a win on the PGA Tour in his first, uh, in his first season out there. And yeah. becomes, I, he might, he, I might go out on a limb and pick him for rookie of the year. I've got to do a little bit more research on the rookies this year uh, as I haven't uh, kind of gotten into that just yet as I'm in my offseason right now <laughs> for about four or five weeks. And uh, I will, uh, uh, I'll get back down that team, but I like Grayson Murray for sure as, as far as the young player is concerned. Well, you know, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and just kind of talk about you as a player. You know, you won at Pebble Beach. You had, I was looking over some of your stats. It was crazy. You had a stretch there where you were contending in a lot of major championships and injury sidelined you eventually, you know, made you hang up your spikes. The internet, the people that, <laughs> that I tend to talk to have this <laughs> obsession with a guy named Anthony Kim. Anthony Kim is oh. was an incredible talent. Talent. He came yeah. on the scene. He really changed the the youth culture in golf before the Rorys and the Jasons and the Jordans and the he, Rickies. He did. He he was kind of the next Tiger. Yeah, and, and to a certain extent, a and, smaller version. Yeah, and injury has sidelined him, and now same thing. I mean, you're not going to see him back out there playing golf again. What do you know about? Anthony Kim battling injuries and eventually making the decision, a similar decision that you had to make where you said, I'm going to pick policy over play. I'm going to pick, you know, taking advantage of something I, I did years ago, a smart decision for Anthony Kim over going out there and trying to battle and make my money at a game that I used to be really, 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 really good at. And now I, I'd rather kind of, you know, take a step, step, step aside and, and take advantage of something else. Well, it's it's hard. It's it's a very hard decision. Um, I, I, you know, to be quite frank with you, though, the the decision is made easier based on if you were smart enough to buy a big enough policy, and you had deep enough pockets to buy a big enough uh, policy, uh, basically a career-ending policy on your body, which covered everything. So if you were smart enough and had the deep pockets enough as a player, and and the wherewithal uh, to you know, spend, you know, $100,000 in premiums a year to get a really big policy, like a, you know, a seven, a large seven figure to eight figure policy on your body, then um, uh, if you don't feel like you can do it anymore, the decision's a lot easier because you don't have to work, especially if you're a single guy and you're not living crazy. Right. Um, but if you had a smaller policy, or your policy wasn't written properly and you didn't get to take, you didn't get to take your policy out. Well, then the decision's easy. You either suck it up and you go play golf as best you can with the injury that you have, 
or it's quite simply you just have to go out and get in the real world um, and uh, and get a job. Uh, it, it's that simple. Uh, the, the the game owes you nothing, uh, and the world owes you nothing. And um, and you you have to. Uh, it, it, that's why if you have the where if you have the means as a player, you want to protect yourself. And Anthony Kim was smart in protecting himself uh, with what he did. And when you have when you when you tear a thumb like he did, uh, I know he's had a thumb injury, left thumb. That's brutal. That's a hard one to come back from. And in his defense, playing Nassau's with your buddies on Saturday and playing three days a week, I can do that too. That's that's <laughs> no problem. But when you get out there and you have to grind it out in a in a practice round, in a pro am, and then four days of competition. And then you hop on a plane, you maybe take the day off Monday and you do it all over again the next week. And you got to do that for two, three weeks in a row. And then you maybe take one week off or two weeks off. And then you got to do it for another three or four weeks in a row. That wears your body out. And those parts that have been surgically repaired, they break down the quickest. They break down quicker. They're the weak points now in your body. And maybe those are the new hundred percent on those parts are 70 or 80% hopefully 90, but sometimes they're even less than that. And they wear down a lot faster and you might have a ball count. So you can't practice the way you want to practice. You can't put in the hours. You have to adjust everything. It's very difficult. And some people like myself and like Anthony, potentially we don't make it back because the injuries are just too much. You know, on top of that, he had an Achilles injury. So uh, I remember talking to Greg Rose at the TPI in 2005, before I had any issues with my hands or, or maybe even 2004 it was. And um, I was hitting balls and I was working on something uh, on the 3D monitor with him and they were checking my sequence and wh- or whatever. And we were talking and he says to me, he goes, Aaron, I don't know how it got brought up, but we were like, oh, I remember it. we were talking about Patrick Moore, who was who won the money list when I came out on the web.com tour. I finished second. He won the last event, won the web.com tour championship and passed me by, um, uh, of, of, I think, I don't know how many dollars, but passed me by some, some little bit of money. And ended up winning the web.com uh, tour money list. And on, on top of that, got a three-win promotion. Three weeks three weeks into his PGA Tour career, he hurts his neck and was pretty much never to be heard from again. We were talking about Patrick. And Patrick says to me, or, or excuse me, Greg says to me, says, says man, it's, it's brutal what's happened to Patrick. And I said, yeah, I know. And, you, and you know, as a player, you, you say, yeah, you know, but you don't know and you can't feel empathy for the guy when you're in the middle of the battle. It's hard to do that until you've been outside the battle and you know what the guy's gone through. And now that I know what he went through and cause I've gone through it, it is brutal to have, to have your career end that way. But the quickest way off the tour, what he told me in regards to Anthony Kim and myself and Patrick, the quickest way off the tour are neck injuries and hand injuries. You got a hand, any kind of hand injury, any kind of extremity injury to your hand or your elbow or your neck, those are really hard to come back from because of all the force that goes into those areas. Um, and, and he's right. And Anthony might be, uh, AK might be having the same issue with his hand where he just can't do it days in a row, weeks in a row. Uh, Patrick Moore had to call it a day and I've had to call it a day for the same reason. So, um, you know, injuries are, are some, are part of sport and you have to, it's hard to accept at times. I know for the longest time for me, it was really hard to accept that I that I couldn't play the game at the level that I that I once did and that I that I knew, knew I still could because I could still go out and play 
golf today at, at my club and I can go out and hit these shots that go, that I go, Oh man, I, I, I know I can still do it. Still got it. But it's still, yeah. Oh yeah. Still did. That's exactly 41 years old, you know, <laughs> three, four, five years removed from the game at a, at, at a high level. Um, and I, and I go still got it. And then you think, and you think, and you think, and you go, no, man, I can't do it. I can't do it for 25, 22 to 25 events a year anymore. That, that's, that's the realization that's very difficult to come to for, for a lot of us. Um, and it, it took me some time to come to the realization that I can't do it anymore at that level. Can I still do it when you and I go out and play or I go play with my buddies here in Scottsdale or, or uh, at the club? Yeah, I can still go out and shoot the occasional round in the mid-60s to high 60s. Um, but to do that four days in a row and to do that weeks on end, no, that's a, that's a pipe dream now for me anymore. I can't I can't do that anymore. Yeah, is is an, is insurance policies? Is this a thing? I mean, does, is every good player, every big player now have something like this? Rory, Jordan, all these guys. They should, Shane. If they don't, they should. Because if if I was put in front of a room of young players coming off the web tour, we used to have this this symposium for young players coming out of tour school that you'd have to attend. And they'd always have a, a veteran player come and speak to the guys about what to expect, so on and so forth. And they asked me to come and speak at the symposium over in, in La Quinta one year uh, when the new set of guys got their cards. And it, I was honored, but I, it was weird because I'm only two years removed from it. <laughs> so I don't know, really know much. So I don't know what to tell the guys, to be honest with you. But now if I could be put in a room with those guys, oh my gosh, they'd fall asleep because they'd get sick of listening to me talk because I would have so many cautionary tales for them, what to do, what not to do, where to stay, where not to stay, you know, um, so on and so forth. But the biggest message I would say is I don't care how much money you have right now or how much money you're going to make Buy yourself at least, at least a, a seven figure insurance policy, at least a, 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 a $1 million insurance policy right you don't it doesn't have you don't if you, you know up it when you get to but pay those premiums even though it absolutely stinks to get that bill and to pay those premiums when you don't think you're, when you think you're bulletproof and you're never going to get hurt it it i'm telling you it is it it will it one day it might really save you right to a certain extent all, all you'd have um, to, all you'd have to do is show video of uh 2001 tiger and 2012 tiger and say Look, it happens to the best of us, you know. I mean, this injury exactly. stuff we can't avoid. Totally right, totally right. He's one. He's definitely one guy. Now, obviously, he made enough money where he doesn't need to worry about that. But, but guys who, you know, guys who have guys who've only played like me like four or five years and made a good living, but didn't make didn't make twenty million dollars on tour or fifty or even fifteen million dollars, you know, and and then and they were cut short of their careers to continue. You know, those policies help. And um, I, I, would, I would implore every player, at, 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 as soon as they get their tour card, to, to buy uh, a, a whole body policy from Lloyd to London or from whoever you, you choose to buy it from uh, and insure your body when you're young and healthy because it, as you get older, it's going to be tougher for them to want to insure you, especially after you've had surgery. Right. Those premiums just get higher and higher. <clears throat> It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. And a reminder, everybody, Swing Juice is now making koozies. Yes. What golfer doesn't like a nice koozie? I see this trend popping up in clubhouses around 
the country. And now here on the Clubhouse Podcast, koozies are only $4 at Swing Juice. And they also have a four-pack of koozies. It's just 13 bucks. That's the price of a really, really fancy IPA. If you live in San Francisco or New York City or Chicago, 13 bucks for four koozies. Uh, along with that, I'm preparing myself for Abandoned Dunes Bachelor Party trip. My bachelor party. And I'm picking a Swing Juice shirt each week that I, I really like. I'm highlighting my favorite Swing Juice shirt of the week. And I figured it was apropos to put up the Wind Blows t-shirt. We're going to send a link out on the Clubhouse Pod Twitter account. Wind Blows. It's just a simple t-shirt. And it's a reminder to all of that. While wind is something we have to battle on the golf course, wouldn't we much rather have a calm day out there? The t-shirts are very reasonable, and you can save 20% if you use the offer code BACON at SwingJuice.com. They have koozies. They have pages after pages after pages of t-shirts that you'll want. They make great holiday gift ideas, great holiday gifts for people that have everything, for the golfer that has everything in their life that doesn't need clubs, doesn't need balls, doesn't need a range finder, just needs something. Go to SwingJuice.com, use that offer code BACON, and you will save 20%. Get yourself a koozie. Get yourself a couple. Well, a couple of quick hitters, and I'll let you go. Uh, First things first, you've told me when we played, you said, I was a confident, cocky player when I was young. Um, And I wanted to ask you, what's more important for a young kid, a talented young kid, you know, a a great college player, great amateur player, what's more important as they turn professional, their talent or their confidence? You you can't have one without the – I think – I think you can't have one without the other. I was, this is a great question because I was just texting a young man who is, uh, who is uh, going to be going to college next year and hasn't made a decision yet. And he's one of the top juniors in the country. And we're very good family friends with their family and him. And I've known him since he was six years old. And, um, uh, and he and I were texting back and forth. And I told him, you know, he was like, well, all these, all these programs have their, I love all the coaches and I love all the schools and so on and so forth. And I told him, I said, I said, he goes, he goes, there's two coaches in particular though, that really, I think might fit my style. And I said, bingo. And he said, what do you mean bingo? And I said, I said, your style, right? Great coaches don't try to change who you are. They work with what you have and they recruited you because of who you are. They, and, and if a coach ever tries to change you and change your innate being who you are, you need to run for the hill as fast <laughs> as you possibly can. Uh, and that's what I told him. I said, you need to get out and you need to get out fast um, because you need to protect. I told him this. I told him, you need to protect your talent. You need to protect your talent. Don't let anybody tell, tell you that you're doing the wrong way. There are plenty of guys who have come up through the ranks on the PGA Tour that had college golf coaches that didn't know what they were doing because they had great filters. I think that kids need to have a good filter these days, understand that they're good, stay humble about it. Don't be, don't be, you know, stay humble to a certain extent about it. Be cocky, but don't be so outwardly cocky that people don't like you. Right. Um, but understand that you have talent and protect that talent. That's what I would tell young kids today. And then, yeah, because you're protecting that talent and because you have that filter, you have that confidence. So one breeds the other, in my opinion. So don't listen to people who are trying to change you unless you know they absolutely have your best interests in mind. And even though, even they, though they might have your, your best interest in mind, they might be wrong. Not everything that a coach or a teacher is going to tell you 
is going to make you a better player. That's why you have to have a good, um, you have to have a good filter. You have to understand what you can and can't do, what your body can and can't do, and what you are comfortable with. You know, I'll never forget what Paul Azinger told me uh, when I was a rookie on tour. Um, he said, if a teacher doesn't make you better in the first five to ten minutes of a lesson, run. Because <laughs> it's, it's a, obviously a, not working. A zingerism. That's how talented you are. That's how talented you are when you make the PGA Tour, no matter who you are, whether you're the 125th or 150th to 150th guy or you're number one in the world. You're a talented, talented player to make the PGA Tour. you got to protect the talent. You do a ton of on-course reporting. Uh, your producer comes up to you and says, you get to pick the group you're following today, the threesome you're following today. What's your dream threesome of players to follow? Oh. Watch them hit golf balls for five hours. Oh, my gosh. That's going to need to think. <laughs> There's so many good ones. Um, I, You know, I was bummed. I was in China, and I was hoping I was going to get a chance to walk with Rory McIlroy's group, and I, it just didn't work out. The producer over there um, just the, – the days didn't work out, and uh, I didn't get to walk with him. Uh, but Rory's number one. He would be number one on the list. I love watching Ricky Fowler play. Love walking with Ricky. Uh, number one, he is one of the nicest men you'll ever meet um, and one of the most gracious people that I've ever met in the game uh, for such a young man who's got so many things going for him. Um, but he's just talented beyond all belief. And uh, there's another guy you can add to the list who I think could have had a chance to have a breakthrough season, by the way. Um, uh, and I'm waiting for him to do that. He's definitely got the talent. Uh, so those would be two guys for sure. And then the third guy, you know, honestly, I'd, I'd want a dichotomy because there you got two powerful players who can move the ball any direction, do anything with. I'd want to watch Zach Blair. Zach Blair. Crazy as that yeah, sounds. That, that would have I'd been like watch Zach Blair. 150 to 1 on the Vegas board, in my opinion. I, I don't think totally. I would have had him too, I'd, I'd super high Zach on there. For a number of reasons. Number one, Zach, I, I really like Zach. Um, and number two, he's got to get it done a different way. And, and I love to see the dichotomy between games when I'm walking with a group. A short hitter who's straight, who's, got a, who's hitting hybrids from 220 yards <laughs> to 230 yards. Uh, versus a guy who's hitting a four iron from 230 yards. You know, I, I love to see, and, and yet they can shoot the same score, or the guy who's hitting the hybrid from 230 yards can beat the guy who's hitting the four iron from 230 yards or the five iron from 230 yards. That's, that's what I love. I love to see the dichotomy in a group. Interesting. Um, you know, it's fun to watch three guys who just wail on it and beat it, beat it out there because that wasn't the game that I played. But I, I love to see... Uh, the Mutt and Jeff look as 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 it will be, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be I think it would be uh, it, that that would be one threesome that I would find very interesting to watch. Give me your pick on this. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. Jordan Spieth wins two more Green Jackets in his career, or Phil Mickelson wins one more Green Jacket. Oh, Jordan wins two more Green Jackets. He's got more time. Phil's forty six years old. He's going to be forty seven this next year. Um, Father Time's undefeated. Phil's Father gonna, Time's undefeated. You're you're going to be eating those words when 57 year old Phil Mickelson is, <laughs> is 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 getting a green jacket from somebody that's like 11 years old right now that won it the year before. Uh, I appreciate I, your time. I, I got I got to ask be, one final question to you that sure. that I'm trying I'm trying to implement this and I and I asked Justin Thomas this last week and I, I wanted to ask you who's the most famous person you've ever asked for their autograph. Oh my gosh. What'd Justin say? 
Justin said MJ. He said Michael Jordan. He said he asked. Oh, and he said yeah. he did it. Cool. He said he did it recently. He he had a jersey. He was going to put it up in his uh his new house that he had MJ ask it. But I you know I'm thinking more if you were a 12 year old kid you know asking Nicholas for an autograph or something like that. That's uh I I think mine would be Nolan Ryan. So uh, is there oh, anybody that comes to that, mind? You know um. I was never an autograph hound as a kid. I don't even remember asking guys for autographs because really the only golf tournament I attended um, as a kid was, uh, as a teenager actually, was the U.S. Open in 1992. I didn't even really go down for the AT&T when I was a kid because um, my mom didn't want to drive down there, uh, take me down there. Um, so, you know, it was I, – I, I don't know if I have one actually um, – I, I might have asked for an autograph uh, in the last 10 or 15 years as a professional from one professional to another <laughs> professional, but I don't even remember because I don't really get starstruck. The last time I got starstruck but couldn't ask for an autograph um, was in 2008 on the practice green, on the on the par three green at Augusta, practice putting green, and I'm, I'm playing in, in back of the big three. And, and Mr. Palmer looks up at me and I've been having my hand issues and he looks up at me and Mr. Palmer goes, Hey, you still having problems with your hand? And that was my only opportunity to really have a one-on-one with him in my career. Now that I look back on it and, um, you know, I said, yes, sir, Mr. Palmer. And I so wanted to ask those three for their autograph, but I just, (laughs) it's Augusta national. You just can't do that there. Even as a player, I was, I didn't want to do it. But, uh, but yeah, that's, I, I really, I don't have, I haven't, I can't believe I haven't asked anybody for their autograph, but I just, I don't get starstruck a lot to where the point where I, I want that person's autograph. Hey, that's not a, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the autograph thing is interesting. I just, you know, sometimes people, you know, it's, it's funny when you talk to these young kids now, I mean, they, Tiger was, you know, their idol when they were like 15, you know, it's just a, it's a different world, especially with professional golf here. And I really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, good luck at Pebble Beach. You're you're headed to Pebble Beach to play some golf. I know you said you haven't been playing a ton of golf, but gotta go out there and I'm slam it around. Help next. I'm gonna need some help next week, big guy. There's no doubt. Well, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a little ugly this year. Haven't been able to play in practice yeah, you, as much you're, as I like. You're a busy guy. You you got a, you got a job, man. You got a job. You got the kids. I do. You got I some have stuff a job. To do. Well, uh, well, I appreciate Thanks, the time. We'll I appreciate definitely you having me on. Oh, for sure. We'll definitely catch up uh, uh, next season at some point. Uh, good luck, and uh, we'll catch up again when you get back to Phoenix. You got it. Thanks a lot. And that'll do it for this week's podcast. Many thanks to Aaron Oberholzer. He was great. Love chatting with that guy. A reminder, follow us on Twitter at Shane Bacon, at the Clubhouse Pod. You can email us. If you have questions, uh, you can email us at the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon at gmail.com. I always love getting emails from you guys, just uh, little comments, questions, or just points you guys have. Uh, send those in. Always love getting them. If you love the podcast, do me a favor. Go on iTunes, write a review, give it a rating. Hopefully it's a four. Hopefully it's a five. I wish there was a six. You could do that as well. But do that if you don't mind. It helps us out a lot. Uh, Again, many thanks to Aaron. I will be in Vegas. I get back. I have a few days to rest before Bandon Dunes 2016. You guys have a great weekend. Make some birdies. Hit them straight.